Yeah, man. So, um, other than that, though, man, how's work been? Uh, work has been, it's been great. Um, this has probably been the, one of the longest weeks um, since we've been quarantined. I don't know, like on a Tuesday, I thought it was actually a Friday. And I was, <laughs> when I looked at my calendar, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? But um, we, I know right now we're, so just, I guess, backing up, um, currently right now, I just transitioned to start working at Texas Mutual Insurance. But I'm working in their IT department. And um, I originally came into the company as their AV specialist, just because I've been doing audiovisual type of work since Texas State, really. Um, and and um, I guess going into it, you know, all, all my work has been like inside of the actual corporate office that we have up here in Austin. However, once COVID hit, it was like, okay, well, obviously I can't do any of that work that I was normally doing before. And so um, luckily I transitioned more over to like the IT support side. And so this week has been kind of interesting because um, I've actually am diving a little bit more back into the AV type of work with, with my old company that I used to work with. Texas Mutual actually kind of poached me over. And, um, and so I'm talking to them, working with them, but then I'm also on the other side fixing laptops and different things of that manner. And, um, and then ever, every so often I'll get like a, an after hours call or something of that, you know, something like that to, to um, extend my day out a little bit longer. But other than that, I mean, I, I would say I'm very thankful to still be employed, though. Yeah, that's a I think that's for a lot of us uh, being employed because, you know, the whole thing with covid, you, you see you saw a lot of people got either laid off, they got furloughed or. And it, it's, it went crazy, man. It, it went crazy. So we have this a huge amount of our population, not only just here in the Texas area, but across the nation where they're collecting unemployment. And now they're depending on that, you know, just to survive. So it's been crazy. So, hey, man, I want to ask you something. So Texas State, you know, that's a we, we both graduated from there. Um, do you miss it? Yes and no. So I don't miss. So it's it's crazy because I don't miss like the classwork and all that. I honestly I don't really remember the the classwork. I remember everything that happened outside the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> and those were where my the great experiences were. The greatest lessons I've learned in college happened outside of the classroom. Um, and so yeah, I, I miss homecoming and. With everything going on right now, I'm just like, man, is, is there actually going to be a, a homecoming? Is, is, is fall completely canceled? And so, yeah, bro, I, I definitely miss it. Uh, what about yourself? Man, me too, man. You know, um, it's the same. I don't remember much in the classroom. Um, there, there are things here and there that I've that stuck with me, um, like more of like a leadership, educator type stuff. But other than that, I think it was more of what we did after school, you know, so, so both of us were in fraternities, right? So I, I was in Phi Alpha, you're in Alpha Phi Alpha. And th the Greek life that we were in, man, it, it consumed a lot of what we did afterwards, um, you know, after school. So I, that's the part that I do miss the most. I, I miss building the relationships and the friendships, but also living like there's no care in the world. Um, <laughs> because now it's like we have priorities, um, you know, either we're married, you have kids or whatever the case may be. It's, it's a little bit different. And you know, it's funny because I was telling my wife the other day that, you know, next year in May would be 10 years since I graduated from Texas state. Wow. 
already, man. 10 years. And I'm like, holy <laughs> moly, 10 years. And But you know what? Some of the memories and friendships I, I still have to this day. And it's like that will never die. And uh, that's sure. that's definitely probably what I miss most for sure about Texas State. So, hey, so, you know, you were kind of talking about earlier about your work and, um, you know, and what you do and whatnot. So you mentioned that you're glad that uh, you have a job and you're blessed to have a job right after the whole thing that's been going on with COVID. But, you know, how's that experience been like, you know, since March when things kind of started shutting down? How's been how's the COVID life been? So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, to be honest. Um, the obvious is, is like the negative side of it all, where, you know, we have a lot of friends and family members, even like, so for example, my brother and my sister both lost their jobs. They were both laid off, um, I want to say maybe like early on, like in April. And then, so it took them a while. Well, it took my sister maybe about a month before she was able to start working again. And then my brother, I think he, he was kind of like working odd jobs here and there. And actually, earlier today, he shot me a text message like, hey, bro, do you know anyone who's hiring right now? I'm just, I'll take anything. And so Man. it's, I, I really hate seeing um, how unstable the job market is, how unstable the economy is, um, and just like the, all the sickness and diseases that's, that's out there. So that part, like just seeing it on the news and, and that's like a constant conversation on face on social media. And, um, and so it's, it's a lot of negativity in that, like all wrapped into it. Um, but then on the positive side, and I, I started trying to be more of a positive uh, thinker, you know, someone um, just cause it's so easy to dwell on the negatives on the positive side. Um, of course, I'm very blessed to be able to work from home. Um, and being the situation that um, I'm in right now, my wife, she's Sarah, she's actually working from home as well. Um, and so we actually get to spend a lot more time with each other than we had previously while we're still going into the office and doing different activities and stuff like that. Um, it's definitely helped our, our finances because we're not, you know, going out, <laughs> eating out and, and um, I mean, now it's almost like going trips to the store is now replaced by Amazon. So. Yeah. I don't know how much we're really saving nowadays, but now we're, we're saving. We're, we're doing pretty well with it, but it also helped focus us on exploring different hobbies. Like I call them COVID hobbies, like cooking and, and, um, and actually exercising. Like now I, I can't, I can't make the excuse of, Oh, I have no time to exercise. It's like, well, you know, I'm sitting at my laptop like right here. I can walk around my apartment complex if I need to or whatever it is. Right. You have all the time so, in the world now, man. All the time in the world, and I hate it because it's like I look at myself in the mirror. I'm just like, Josh, you have no excuses. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> so I'm like, you're right. It's like that little Kermit the Frog uh, meme. You know, he's looking in the mirror, and one has a hoodie on, and the other one is just like regular. And so that's how I feel when it comes to it. Yeah, you know, but it, it is. Um, you know, I had this uh, conversation uh, with my wife, and I see this a lot on social media too, um, with a lot of. I would like to say influential people, and, and they're just friends. It's not like they're famous or anything. I like to say they're influential people because there's always something that they say that resonates with me. Um, like I have uh, one fraternity brother of mine who is someone like you, tries to keep things positive, um, doesn't really think of the glass half empty, more of the glass um, half full you know, type. And one thing that he had mentioned that really caught my attention was, you know, if you are not 
programming yourself to do something during COVID, then you're you're missing like you're missing out. And I think it's also like you're missing the point of life because we live in the world where everyone is just so busy. You know, we're 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 too busy to go here, we're too busy to visit family, we're too busy to visit friends, or we got this going on, we got that going on. There's always something, right? And so we tend to get in the habit of always making excuses for things into why we can't go somewhere. But now with COVID, you know, you're stuck at home. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're taking the right measures, of course. But I think that this is a time to really brainstorm and think about where do I want to go? What do I want to do with my life? You know, where can I make an impact? Um, you know, uh, so I, I think that this is a perfect time to do that. And, and I agree with you in what you had mentioned. Like, you know, you're, you're taking on different adventures in your life, um, even if it's fitness, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, hey, you know what? I got to do something with my, with my body, with my life. Because that's what I did too, man. I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm just like, I'm, I'm so disappointed in you, Joseph. Like, I'm just so disappointed in you. <laughs> You know, but um, but that's, you know, this time that we have is also a blessing and it's a time to reflect. So it, it is kind of how you think of it, uh, because you do have people that are just like a miserable. I just want to go out. I just I need to get out of the house. And we totally understand it because being cooped up in one space for a long period of time can can mess with your mental health for sure. Um, but it's it's how you it's how you're kind of being counterproductive with it. And what you're going to do with that time that you have to continue to advance for, you know, going forward. Because I also imagine like, okay, well, what if COVID and everything just vanishes like next month, where are you going to be? And so it's like, are you either in the same spot where you were like at back in March, back in, in February, or have you advanced further? And so for me, I don't know who said it. Uh, I don't know if it was one of my mentors or if I read it in the book or heard it on a podcast, but they said, if you are standing, if you're, if you stay the same, then you're actually going backwards because time is always going forward. And so that was something that really stood out to me, um, especially with just, uh, what you were just saying was that, you know, if say all this is over, um, have I progressed with my life? Am I a better man, um, than I was earlier this year, you know, pre COVID or BC uh, before COVID. (laughs) And so, um, you know, how does that actually look? Right. And, uh, you know, I really, I do pray and hope that people take advantage of this time and don't just sit back and relax because it's easy to do that. It really is. Um, but, you know, be productive, um, you know, find the interests that you currently have and, and see what you, what it is that you want to do to excel in, like, you know, pick a topic or your hobby and excel in it. You know, I know plenty of people, and it's funny because I teach this to my reps all the time, um, when I'm doing my, my trainings is, you know, a lot of people, especially because of COVID, you know, they're enhancing and expanding on their side hustles. So their side businesses that they're doing. And it's because they're trying to find a different source of revenue. Um, and so you can take it in, in that matter where you're you're going to accelerate your business when it you, know, you were thinking small just to have some extra income. And now you're just, you know, I'm going all in. So don't be afraid to take a risk is what I would always recommend to people. But you're, you're right. You know, time, time doesn't wait for nobody time continues to go. So just like time, you know, we're stuck in this COVID time where it's like, it seems like it's never going to end. It, it just keeps going and going. And, um, you know, we haven't heard any updates as far as, you know, uh, 
vaccines other than, you know, the president stating possibly before elections. But that's neither here or there. Uh, I hope it does come. But, you know, with the whole time with COVID, a lot of things have happened. You know, um, a lot of things, either politically, uh, social, uh, financial, a lot of things have happened. And this conversation that you and I are having is a little bit late because I remember the situation I'm about to bring up when that happened, my first thought was like, I need to, I need to get a hold of Josh. Um, because I think that there's some good dialogue that we can have, um, coming from someone like you. And it has, it has to deal with the death of, uh, George Floyd. Um, and you personally being a black male in the U S how did the death of George Floyd impact your life? So it, it was really, man, I remember it and I was a little, I'm a little sad to say it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, well, man, another, another black man got shot down by police brutality, you know? And it's like, it's crazy because we see that so often that after a while, it's easy to get numb by it. And so, and then I saw the video and then I don't know, I don't know what it was, but I saw myself as George, you know, just being, you know, having someone have their, their knee on my neck and um, not really caring. Like I can say, I can't breathe. I can say all sorts of things, you know, like, Hey, I help. I like someone called the police to take the police to protect me from the police, you know? And, um, I saw, I saw myself in it. And then I started seeing the overwhelming responses of people who are outside of the black community had to say about George Floyd. And I think that's when all of the emotions kind of like the, the numbness, like that scab that I, the scar that I'm so used to, to bearing, you know, um, with each and every, you know, police brutality case it it, it opened up and so and then i i don't know i just i remember like crying about it just because it's like wow like one i I was crying because like i I, my heart goes so out so much to to george ford's family um to, to the people who had to like witness it and who did their best to stop it but also i was also crying some tears of almost like relief that, hey, America's eyes are finally open. So like, hey, you know, um, police brutality is actually a real thing. It's, it can't be hidden anymore because we are at such a, an age of, of like, you know, digital, like people record things on their phone all the time. But it was, um, but for me, I, I, I saw that and then I saw the other things that popped up um, even afterwards and and then everything just started really compounding in me. Um, like my emotions, it was just like, wow, this, it has, like this is ridiculous, you know, like what are we actually doing? Because yeah, this has been going on since Jim Crow era. Yeah, you know, our, like the black community is used to, to things like this, but okay, now, you know, it's 2020, you know, what are we doing about it? And how are we actually gonna make that change? And so, um, I don't know, like when, whenever I, I, I saw the video, I was thinking about myself in his position. I was thinking about my dad in, this, in his position. I was thinking about my little brother Caleb in his position as well. And so, um, it's, it's crazy because for me, for me, and I'll be honest, man, um, for me, I always hesitate on calling the police anyways. Um, just because even though I might not be in the wrong, 
uh, there's always a chance that they might see me um, as as the issue. They might see me like, hey, even though that guy stole my wife's purse over there, they might think I was the guy who actually stole my wife's purse or something. And the next thing I know, I have guns drawn to me. And I have, I mean, before, <laughs> and and um, and I'll, I'll share like a, a, a quick story. I remember having guns drawn on me back in college. I remember uh, me and my fraternity brothers, we went to a, uh, an event down at, at, at College Station at A&M. Driving back that night, um, we wanted to, I think we had a, another, like a community service event in the morning. And so we were driving back, um, foggy, foggy road, small town area, and all of a sudden we get pulled over. And um, out of nowhere, a cop said, hey, you know, you guys are speeding. And I was just like, well, it's, you can't see five feet in front of you. How am I speeding through this? It's like, that's ridiculous. And so he was like, no, um, but we're going to need to search your car. And I'm like, <laughs> what happened to the speeding ticket? Like, what's going on with this? And so um, next thing I know, two other cop cars came along. Um, They're like, hey, we need to either you're, you you uh, allow us to search a car right now or we're going to hold you until, like, maybe it might take about three more hours of us holding you until we can get, like, a dog out here to sniff around your car. And so me not really understanding the law or anything like that, I'm like, sure, man, you know, whatever. Like, just search it. And um, one of my fraternity brothers was sitting in the grass with me. They just kind of had us in the grass. One guy, one cop was watching us with his, ga- his, with his uh, hand on his gun. And um, the other cops, like five of them now, are just searching my little Oldsmobile Alero, you know, it's just my little car. And then um, one of my frat brothers is like, bro, you, you know that they could like just plant something in there if they wanted to. And they can hold us and 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 like you know charges for some bogus charge, and I never really thought about that. You know, at first I thought you know yeah you know we can always you know trust our men in blue and 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 we're good to go. But you know things like that happen. Um, another situation we we're actually up in in Baylor at Baylor just just hanging out with some friends. I was actually looking for someone's apartment, and um, I, I got lost, and so I kind of. I was, I, I guess I was maybe driving a little scraggly because we were trying like, okay, well, is it up here? So we're slowing down, trying to get a look at, at different addresses. And then, so I ended up pulling into like this little back alley. So I was like, okay, let's look at this map quest, you know, back in the day, <laughs> let's look at this map quest and actually um, figure out where we need to go. It's like, hey bro, you need to call him. Um, and so we can, we can find ourselves. And then I had like a truck come up behind me. I was like, well, I'm blocking the alley. Let me move into a parking spot. Next thing I know, this truck pulls next to me. Uh, an old, older white man comes out, and he pulls out his gun and points it at us while we're sitting in our car trying to figure out where where our friend lives. And um, I don't know, like it was it was just times like that where it's just like, what's really going on? Like, is this is this a normal? Like now that I'm I'm entering adulthood. Like, I, I'm thankful for that my parents had kind of shielded me from it. I mean, where I grew up, we didn't really have too many encounters with the police. I, I grew up in A-Leaf, and so we didn't really have too many encounters, but everyone else around us was minority. Like, it was the most diverse place I've, I've ever been in, I've ever lived. And, um, but now that I'm, like, in college and I'm, I'm entering adulthood, it's like, oh, is this, like, the, the ugliness that's actually out here in the world? And so for me, like just seeing all that, it's, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it it kind of started callousing my heart a little bit, 
when it comes down to like police officers and police brutality and different things. So to the point to where like I don't want to, I'll deal with the issue if I if by myself. I don't even need to call nine one one. And so it's that's unfortunate. Man, you know, that really, um, that really shook me up, man. What you just said, uh, because. <sighs> You know, I'm just so disappointed in in people, in people in general, in where you know you're experiencing College Station. An officer stopped you because you were speeding. They're about five feet away from you, and then all of a sudden it turns into I need to search your vehicle. That I promise you, if that if that were a group of white people, that would not have happened. It wouldn't, and, and that's the reality of it. it. It would not have happened. And I, I am in, um, I'm not shocked. I'm just disappointed. This has just gone on for too long, for too long. And, you know, you had mentioned something about George Floyd. You felt that this kind of opened America's eyes. And I think it has. I, I agree to that. Um, because people that are still protesting to this day, you know, and a lot of people are still, you know, wanting to find the mur- not find, but charge the murderers of Breonna Taylor. That's still going on. And, and, and here's the thing, though, um, you know, Josh, is that we see cases, too, with other people of color, whether it be Hispanic, Asian, it, it doesn't matter. And they have some similarities here um, with situations that, you know, uh, black males and black females, children, elderly, it doesn't matter, go through as well. But right now, the, the eyes are on what's happening to the people of color and to the black community because it's really what's showcasing more and where you're, you're continuing to see it, you know. Um, continuing to see it because of social media, because people have videos, whatever the case may be. And it, it's kind of like to quote uh, Will Smith, and where he had mentioned that, you know, the only difference is that people have a, you know, people have a camera now. B- people carry cameras to, to record this, but it's been going on. And you know, my heart feels for you, man. Um, you know, I've I've gone through my my trials with with officers myself, and not just officers, just human beings, uh, just because I'm Hispanic. You know, I've had people, you know, chant, go back home. I'm like, what, what does that mean? This used to be Mexico. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. what do you mean go back home? You know, so it's it, it's just weird to me. But I think right now all eyes are on the black community. And you know what I think was very interesting is this, is that I think you guys are a voice for a lot of other minority groups. Not just, n- not, not just the black community. I, I really do feel that way. Because I think it's also a way for us to talk about other conversations like immigration, um, you know, having children trapped in cages, stuff like that, because it goes off to more. You know, right now, another topic that's been going on is, you know, pedophiles, you know, with uh, with Epstein and his case and what's going on with that and Hollywood and all that. There's a lot that's going on. But I think I don't think this movement is in a place where it's going to die anytime soon and which I'm happy for because it needs to continue but my heart really does go for you for your story, man, um, and the stuff that you experienced. Because, you know, your your friends were right. The cops could have easily planted something 
we we've seen it before. It's happened, and it's and it, and here's another thing too, because uh, I want to make this perfectly clear to people that are listening in, is that not all cops are bad. Uh, you know, not not all cops are bad. They're not. I I know plenty of officers that are out there. I have a fraternity brother that's a state trooper. Um, you know, I have a really uh, a good friend, um, Abby, who you know, who your who your oh, wife yeah. Sarah knows, who is a police officer here in San Antonio. Wonderful people, great people, and I know that th- they have our backs for the community. Uh, but then you have those that are just up to no good, and those are the ones that get showcased. Uh, th- those are the ones that get put in blast. So, you know, my my heart goes to you, man, for the stuff that you have to experience. Um, I-, I just didn't expect that, man. To be honest with you. Um, you know, and I know I, I told you earlier, I was going to ask you, you know, have you experienced anything in your life? And just those two examples that you gave me, I'm just, I'm shook by it, man, because I consider you as a friend and to know that a friend had to go through something like that, that hurts. And, and just to know that there's other individuals that are out there in this world too, that are experiencing the exact same thing. And, you know, um, I hope that they share their testimony and I hope they share their voice and let their voice be heard of what's really going on in the world. So, you know, with that being said, man, I kind of want to ask you, so you were actually, is it a predominantly black fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha? I don't know how you would label it, right? So it is. So how did, when you were going to school and uh, becoming a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha, how did that mold you into the person that you are today? And were these conversations brought up to kind of prepare you for things like this? Honestly, so pledging, pledging our, our uh, fraternity and um, just being an active member and um, taking part in events, those are some of the memories that I remember most about college. Um, I know I felt like I grew as a person because I remember entering Texas State. I was super shy. Um, definitely not all growing out of shy i was an introvert and i still am an introvert at, at a you know up to like a certain point but um actually joining a fraternity like alpha phi alpha who um who has like you know a, a pulse in the community um who wants to see like you know the minority community thrive especially like the black community in texas state because i think it was like maybe six percent on campus if that yeah and so um one, it was interesting to, to, to be around that just because um, I typically was like maybe one out of two, possibly three um, black students in my in my classes. I was actually, um, someone had, had asked me the other day, um, just knowing that I was a part of the sound recording technology program. And there was only two of us out of a class of like maybe 15, 20. Um, and so I, at any given time, there'd be a one or two inside the entire program. And wow. so um, being, being a part of Alpha Phi Alpha has definitely prepared me, one, because it gave me a, a, an outlet of, to be able to talk about different issues like this with other men. Um, and, I, and I say that I say it like that because um, I think that's something that men sometimes have, have a harder time to talk about. It's like, you know, feelings and like experiences and different yeah. things like that. Um, sometimes we will put up a front like, oh, yeah, everything's OK, but it's in those those um those closed doors when we actually can get real and just talk about like hey these are our experiences um this happened to me so if you have experience or you start to experience something like this this is how you need to 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 make a way out of um i i one of the biggest things that i learned 
um, while being in the fraternity was how to take personal responsibility. And, um, and this kind of came um, to me when I was pledging uh, one of uh, my, my dean, um, uh, he was, he, he pretty much, he told me like, you know what your, your issue is, Joshua. And I'm like, uh, you know, I ain't got no issues. What are you talking about? Like, like, no, sir. What is my issue? It's like, you don't, you don't know how to take personal responsibility. Like you, you blame everything else around you, but, um, but you know, you never think of like, Hey, what could I have changed on my end that could have possibly bettered the situation? Yeah. And so that was something that I, I took and I grasped and I held on to um, graduating college and, and going like into this, you know, into adulthood, um, just like how to take that personal responsibility for a thing. So even if an issue may not have uh, really um, been anything that I had touched, especially at work, I know that, hey, I can take stand, uh, step up, take personal responsibility for it, say, oh, I, you know, I could have communicated this way, this way. And then, I mean, it's cool to see that even though you take personal responsibility, other people around you who normally will place blame as well, they start taking it as well. And so my time in the fraternity, you know, just being on campus and stuff with them, it was truly iron sharpens iron. And that's what I love so much about just being a part of um, Alpha Phi Alpha, just because one, you know, it's historically black, black fraternity and with, you know, members like Martin Luther King in there, um, just people who are who fought for change during their time and so it was also like something where I can empower myself and I can fight for change too um, it also provided me with a larger network of, of other men and, and people who I can, can communicate with so I have a few just like you have mentioned before Joseph I have a few fraternity brothers who who are police officers a couple of homicide detectives down in Houston who are able to like when things like this happen, they are like, hey, let's get on the phone, let's talk about this, because yeah. all of us aren't bad, and yeah. I know that because I've seen their hearts, and so, um, and so I would say that was probably one of the biggest things that um, the, being a part of the fraternity has done for me was one taking personal like learning to take personal responsibility, um, two providing that network of people who I can um, that network I can tap into of gaining more resources, more knowledge and understanding, and also learning how I can push myself. Um, I was so keen on just staying in my comfort zone um, before I even joined. And, and I was so I was just that shy guy, stayed in my comfort zone. If it was anything beyond that, good luck, you know. And so uh, just pledging a fraternity, that definitely pushes you out of it. <laughs> like kicks you straight out of the plane, no parachute, good luck. Uh, you got this. And yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and so, uh, it, it's definitely was one of those where it's like, okay, I can expand my comfort zone to whatever size I want it to be. And so that honestly has helped me with a lot of different things. It helped me gain different jobs. It, it helped me, um, with relationship, um, issues that might arise or just thought process behind relationships. Um, and just really just, I feel like it, it's, it's made me a better man in every single way possible. Man, that's that's good because uh, it's impacted me with my organization the exact same way um, that you're mentioning right now. And what I think is very cool is how we talked about earlier that we don't remember much about the classroom stuff, but we remember a lot about what happened after. But I think people, <clears throat> they have a misconception about fraternities and how they operate. Now, 
you know, I have my own opinions on certain fraternities, um, but I will state this. I know um, predominantly black fraternities and like predominantly Hispanic or Latino uh, fraternities. I think it's, it's different from what you see on TV. And actually, it's not even just different. It's completely different from what you see on TV because there's an educational piece that's brought into it. Um, and then you, you have to be a brother or a member to understand, but it's different. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that you can agree that, you know, when we join these organizations, like education continues within the organization, not just like in school, because we learn just like what you just stated, you know, you, you learn not to blame others that, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror in a sense, you know. And so you learn a lot about yourself. And we also have to understand, too, like, we're still kids. We're still young. You know, we're, we're only in our 20s. Um, so we're, we're trying to figure out life. You know, so with Alpha Phi Alpha and going to Texas State, going to school together, you know, I know that there's one thing that we had in common. And we both knew Sarah, who is your current wife. And so I have to ask this question because I honestly do not know that did y'all two start dating in school or was it after school? So we started dating spring semester of senior year. Knowing that she's down right from the valley and <laughs> you're from A-Leaf, Texas, man. You know, close to, to that Houston area. You know, the, the thing here is that y'all guys are in a uh, interracial marriage, mm -hmm. right? And so how has that impacted your life? And how has that actually impacted Sarah's life, knowing what's going on in today's world? Yeah, so it's it's definitely a, a topic of conversation that we talk about quite frequently, um, especially when when it comes to just talking about kids. Um, and um, we're we've actually been holding out on having kids um, until we kind of got ourselves in like a the best financial situation, make sure that we're good to go. Um, but um, we, we have a lot of conversations about just like, okay, well, what does this look like? So for me, I think growing up in such a diverse area, it was easy to, hey, you know, um, let's, let's, let's start dating. Like I was, I was, so, I, I didn't, I really didn't care so much about what, what your ethnicity was at all. You know, do you have a beautiful personality? Are you cute? You know, um, <laughs> that's really like my criteria for the most part. And then seeing Sarah, you know, president of her sorority, uh, president of, of MGC, like doing different things. Like she was a true boss, boss woman. It was just like that attracted me so much to her. And so, um, and so, yeah, just like being in a relationship with Sarah, she's taught me a lot of different things that I never would have known if, if me and her weren't together. So for one, I mean, you know this, I, I had no idea you were supposed to actually cook tortillas. I thought, you know, <laughs> you just pull them out the pack and just <laughs> slap your fajitas in there and you're good to go. Yeah. Wrong, like, as soon as she saw me doing that, she like slapped it out of my hand. It's like, go sit down somewhere, you know, keep out there, get away, you know, get out of here. That's a sin, and my so, friend, that's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned, and I'm glad she corrected me before I got to meet her family because that would have been bad. Um, but I do love the like the, the culture aspect of it. Um, just even her family, like I was very nervous that her family would even welcome me um, when we had gotten engaged. So I, I I got to meet her her dad and her mom for the first time, 
during her graduation party and uh, in San Marcos. And then um, we were dating for a while. And then she's like, hey, you know, we should have Christmas down here. Uh, and so we went down to the valley, had Christmas. Um, and so I got to meet her grandmother and her grandma only speaks Spanish. And she told she was most nervous about her grandma just because she's old school. She's yeah. straight from Mexico. <laughs> It was just like, you know, she don't approve from you about of you, you know, I don't know how this is going to last. But thankfully, her grandma did um, approve, or at least, you know, um, she, she saw that I was a good guy. She saw how happy Sarah was. And I would say, like, her dad was translating. And, and, um, and so she gave me, like, a thumbs up. Um, but also her, <laughs> her dad. Um, and it, it's crazy. It's so crazy because as soon as Sarah and I got married, I think it was the following week or the week after, like maybe two weeks after we got married, I ended up having a job with, it was uh, with this AV company. We had a job down in McAllen doing their new performing arts center. And so I was down there. I didn't tell any of her family that I was down there. Sarah knew where I was. And so I was going to be down there for two weeks. And so I don't know if I post, I must have posted something on Facebook, like, Hey, you know, check this out. New performing arts center in McAllen. And her brother saw it on my Facebook and had called Sarah and her dad. Then the next thing, Sarah's like, yeah, my brother called me. Then two minutes later, my dad called me. It's like, hey, your husband's down here. Why haven't? Why don't we know about this? We could, you know, hang out with them, spend time with them. And so her brother came, picked me up from my hotel. and was like, hey, bro, we, we have a barbecue going for you. We're doing all this. I'm just like, <laughs> family, family, what's, what's up? And yeah. So I, I've never experienced anything like that. People like, just like that whole family aspect in, embedded into the whole culture, right? Um, and then on the flip side, Sarah had to definitely get used to my family. Um, I want to say it probably was more personality-wise just because we're a more laid-back, chill, and, and, and from Houston area. And so, you know, Houston, I mean, you can fit multiple valleys within Houston. And so it was just like a, uh, a big shock but something they also get adjusted to. Um, but yeah, I was, I would say as far as, you know, just as being a, 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 in a biracial marriage, um, when this whole George Floyd, like this, like everything kind of broke out. Um, I really didn't know, like I knew where Sarah stood, but me and her hadn't talked about it yet. And I know, um, I'll see posts on Facebook like, Hey, for those who are in interracial, you know, marriages and relationships, you know, if, if your significant other isn't speaking about this issue, then, you know, you have a problem. And I'm just like, first of all, get out of my, get out of my marriage. Second of all, that's why you're single. Um, and, <laughs> and, and third of all, I know where my life stands. And it's crazy because, um, and I, I, I outlined it just like that on Facebook. And um, it's crazy because probably like a couple of days later, Sarah's like, hey, you know, I hadn't told you this, but I've been, as soon as I saw the whole George Floyd video, I started crying. I started thinking like, hey, what if that was our future, future son right there? Um, like, what are we going to do? Like, how does this happen? And, and we both know like, hey, it's not only just happening in the black community, it's happening in the Latino community, it's happening in the Asian, it's it happening in like all minority areas. And even, I would say even in the white community too. I mean, police brutality is, is a real thing. It's here. But, um, but that was something that we had to talk about of, you know, well, how will our, our kids, how will our kids identify themselves as? 
Yeah, you know, that, um, that's very mm-hmm. tough. That that's very tough, man. To even, and I know that you don't, y'all guys don't have kids yet, um, but you know, at least that y'all guys are having that dialogue now, because I can tell you, when I had that conversation with my son, that was tough. And I remember, I think I texted you like right after I told him, um, I, I had messaged you, and that that was probably one of the hardest conversations to have because how do you explain that to a nine year old? You know, to a nine year old that thinks that everyone's just nice, everyone's just sweet, every, like, I mean, they're, they're so naive about it because they just don't know, you know, and so that, that is tough, and, and I, I will state this, I, I'm glad that, you know, you and Sarah had this conversation, uh, because it's a conversation that, you know, needs to be said, but in your terms, because you're right, no one needs to be involved in your marriage, that's your marriage, you control it the, the way y'all guys want to control it, just the way my wife and I control our conversations. But I will tell you this, like my wife and I, we, I knew that we had to have the conversation because I'll be honest with you, just like you, I, I, I wanted to say I knew where my wife stood, but I really didn't know um, because we didn't talk about it. And it really opened my eyes to know, and I'm happy for that, we both agreed but what opened my eyes was that, hey, I have someone that is supporting this movement the exact same way that I'm supporting this movement, knowing that we care about people. We, we care about all human races. It doesn't matter if you're orange, black, blue, green, brown. It, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, but we love people and no one should be treated that way. And I'm glad that we were able to have that open uh, dialogue with each other and it was a blessing just to know that we both agreed and it, it I'll tell you this it made me love my wife even more after having that conversation is there any like I know that uh, you had mentioned um you going down to the valley and um <laughs> I, I would tell you this man when you mentioned Sarah's grandmother I was the first thought I was like man she must have been like old school Mexican like that's a scary thing, man. I'm telling you because that's even in my family too. That's it's a that's a scary thing, man. Because you don't know what she's gonna come up with. You know, I remember when I met uh, my wife's grandmother, and I think that's the, the one thing she told me. Like, if you can make it with my grandmother, then you're good. If you can't, we're gonna have some problems. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. So I I totally understand. So I, I want to talk into some cool things now because. Uh, Recently, I've been following up with some of your posts, and I'm very excited and proud of of you and Sarah, um, because one of the goals that you shouted, like it felt like through the rooftops, was that y'all guys are now, am I right, debt free? Yes, sir. Debt free. And how old are you, Josh? Uh, just turned 31. 31. So I want people to hear this. Mr. Josh Jackson is 31 years old and he is freaking debt free. That is amazing, man. That is freaking amazing. But I will tell you this. I know that there had to have been tons of sacrifice into that because I know it just doesn't happen overnight. So tell me about that experience. Yeah, so it was it was actually a goal that I had back sophomore year in college. Um, I think it was because I saw some of my parents' friends who still, I mean, back then everyone was old, you know, if you're 40 years old, you're old, you know, but, you know, I, I saw them, they still were talking about, oh yeah, you know, Randy has his, um, still has his student loans and we're still trying to pay for it. And, 
and they, they were talking about, I'm like, wow, by the time I turn 30, I definitely want to be at least that free. Um, that way, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm more ahead and I'm, I'm going in the right direction. And so um, really, it was just a matter of like, okay, well, how do we go about doing this? There's so many different ways, you know, you, there's so much different advice and resources out there. But like you had mentioned, I don't want to say the biggest thing that we found was definitely like the, the principle of delayed gratification. And, um, and for me, I never heard it before growing up. I thought it just mean like, hey, you ain't got the money, so you can't spend it. And that's, that, was, that was pretty much it. Um, but what the delayed gratification is saying is like, you know, even if you have the money, you just don't go, don't spend it just because, um, what you're doing is you're delaying something that might be good in the present for something great in the future. And so I think of it as just investing in yourself and your future self. And so, um, that was something that we had to, to really practice. Um, it was, it was a goal that me and Sarah had to get behind because, um, one of the things I kept hearing, um, that people said was you know, one of the number one causes of divorce is, you know, finances. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, so both my parents and Sarah's parents are divorced. My dad's been married three times already, um, all in the, all in the divorce. My, uh, my wife's, uh, Sarah's dad, I think he might've been married, uh, twice and he's, 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 he's good in his, in his second marriage right now. But we didn't have like you know we i did not want anything to cause her i didn't want to follow that path of like you know a, a, a legacy of divorces and so um so we both had to get on the same page of like hey you know are we going to do this and she's like yeah we, we got to do this like we got to figure out our finances we have to get on the same page and move forward and um and and yeah so so really it was i, I feel like um one of the things I mean, I, I would read a lot of books. I would, you know, listen to different podcasts, just you know, motivational speakers, people who have built the wealth of their own. And for me, um, one one book that was essential. I mean, I, I was reading uh, a Dave Ramsey book, which has a lot of great information. And I feel like most people could have that if they actually applied the information. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a buddy of mine who was like, "Hey, bro, I'm I'm working towards this is before we became debt free. Like, I'm working towards becoming debt free." Um, and I'm like, "Cool, you know, how are you like how are you going about it? You know, are you doing like the whole Dave Ramsey uh, method?" And he's like, "Oh, Dave Ramsey, no, that's that's, that's that's too easy." I'm like, "Well, it's too easy. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't still have debt. Cause it's too easy. Like, what's going on, bro? Yeah. Like, just, just read the book and like do what he says." And so. Um, and so that was something that we had to get on the same page. Like, okay, well, you know, we like a lot of like the, the whole debt snowball deal of it, you know, living beneath our means, even though like, I'll be honest, like growing up, my, my dad was extremely cheap. So I grew up super cheap. Um, Sarah, <laughs> on the other hand, she was, she was the one a little bit more loose with the money. Like she was like, Hey, what are we saving for? Let's just spend it. And I'm like, no, we gotta, we gotta hoard all. I was trying to be Scrooge McDuck and like every single penny <laughs> was going to go into this vault, and I'm not letting it go. But um, she kind of taught me like, hey, you know, if there's something worth spending money on, then it's okay to. But when we decided to like, hey, let's start living beneath our means, um, she like, I think before she was going on like a, a trip, uh, some kind of a vacation trip during the summer each year. Um, and so that was something that kind of had to be cut out of there. Um, and that's tough, man. That's, yeah. that's tough. 
That's not easy. That's absolutely. Yeah, and and and, uh, and and it's crazy. So right now, like this is, I mean, since no one's really doing much traveling, like this is like delay ratification forced on you, pretty much. Like save all your money so that you can have a great vacation at the end of all this, right? And you know what? But, um, every I think almost every person I've talked to has told me this that because of COVID, they they have saved so much money. They have saved so much money because because they can't do anything. You know, they, they can't yeah. do anything. They can't go out. They can't uh, They can't take trips. They can't do any of that stuff. And um, when you start seeing the savings, um, it's great, right? Because you're, you're seeing your bank account, in, in a sense, grow. However, you know, I'm very big on Dave Ramsey and myself. And I'm very big on snowballing things. So if, and this is just advice to anyone that's out there, I, I highly recommend uh, read one of Dave Ramsey's books. Uh, look up Financial Peace. Um, there, there are some programs that he'll give out for free. You, you can attend them, and, or he can give you the packet stuff. But guys, this is this is some great stuff. If you want to be like Josh, debt free, this is the way to go because he doesn't have a worry about having to pay a debt off anymore. You know, and and that's fantastic. And I'm glad that you're planning too. So, because you had mentioned earlier that, you know. You wanted a plan to have children, to make sure that you were financially stable uh, and financially ready. I will tell you this, as a parent, you're never ready, man. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you're just never going to be ready. But it's good to know that you have cushions. Yeah, I was even going to add, um, us, Sarah and I becoming debt-free came at the perfect time just because we paid off all of our debt. Or the rest of my student loans was like the last bit of debt we had um, like in the beginning of March. And then COVID hit. And then, um, and then, you know, we had family members who got laid off. And so we were able to, we were able to be in a position to actually offer people help, like family members, help friends if they like, hey, Beautiful. I'm going through a rough time. You know, I have no money to, like, I, I'm, I'm applying for, for food stamps or whatever for assistance. And it just hasn't kicked in yet. Hey, man, I'm, I'm a, I'll Venmo you some money so you can buy your kids some food. Like, we were able to, I don't know, God definitely had a plan for us and put us in like it was like the timing was just too it, it couldn't have been a coincidence you know it was too perfect um, yeah to be able to be in a position to actually benefit and help other people around us which is something that we always wanted to have we wanted to be able to build a legacy and um and be able to help people as well with that man and, and that's that's a huge huge blessing um that you're able to do and a lot of it's it's contributed to because you were debt-free and you had that financial ability to bless people in the time of need i know that you know my wife and i when we got our stim well even before we got our stimulus check when they announced it that you know this is how how much you're gonna get if you're married and per child blah 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 the first thought that we had is who can we give our check to who can who can we bless who can we help and we had so many different ideas and routes that we wanted to go and um you know, we ended up helping a, uh, a, um, a church with their daycare program um, because, you know, they were also, they, they had to lay people off. Uh, and it was very unfortunate, but, you know, we decided to bless them with a couple of things. And, um, you know, we helped out some family members and, and whatnot and just whatever we felt that we needed to bless and whoever we needed to bless. So it's definitely a blessing that you were able to do that. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up, man, because... Um, I think originally when I had talked to you about wanting to do a podcast, it was a lot had to do with, you know, the death of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. 
but so much time has come and passed on that that there are so many blessings that happen after the fact with you personally you know being um you know debt free um you're you're able to financially help people and you're really looking at life as 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 positive as possible you mentioned that earlier and it's great to see that and, and here's my point to all of this i wish a lot more of us as human beings can think the exact same way because just think about how we can help each other change the world um if we kind of get out of our selfish ways if we if we kind of start thinking about others in a different aspect i i truly believe that the world can change in that way is it hard yes does it take discipline yes it does but change is never easy it's not easy for for anybody man and uh i'm i'm glad to know that you're able to help people out and help family members out that's that's definitely a true uh true blessing there so i wanted to ask you another question so you're now that you are debt free like what are some of your current goals now like what is what does the future look like for for you guys Ooh, so that's a great question i know we there's several different things that we are aiming to do um personally like family wise we're looking to start having kids um within like probably the next 12 months um and in the same the same vein of that um which is one reason why we were also um holding off on kids is um we would like to position sarah in a place to where she will have the option to be able to stay home full time um oh, wow. there's a lot that sarah has like, has a heart to do especially when it comes to the nonprofit realm and i know right now we're um if she was to just kind of like step out of her teaching role and just dive straight into nonprofit, that would be a, a loss in our income and whatnot. And so um, really right now we're getting ourselves not only to, um, not only like becoming debt free, but also, okay, well, let's let's start building up different assets and, and, and doing multiple different things. That way we can sustain her so that she can go off and, and do exactly what she's truly passionate about. Um, I know for me, one thing I, I want, I, two things that I'm actually looking towards doing is because this was super prevalent, um, with me growing up was, um, I want to create a after-school program that teaches financial literacy to high school students. Wow. And that is probably one of my biggest drivers. One of my biggest goals that I have currently right now. Um, just because I knew like finances were never discussed growing up. It was never discussed, even in college. I think college was the first time I actually had the bug of like, oh, let me, I probably need to learn a lot more about this. Yeah. And that also kind of came along with, in my fraternity, they actually, for some reason, they made the music major the treasurer of the fraternity. <laughs> and, um, and so just understanding now, like how a lot of money could be moved around and where you put it to, to help grow more money and and like how you can donate it and, and what the write-offs are, that really started having me understand like, hey, there's a lot that I don't know. Yeah. And so, and if I was like that, I'm, I'm sure a lot of other um, young adults and young professionals were experienced the same type of uh, miseducation growing up, you know? And so, and, and also I, I feel like, you know, that would be much of a chain reaction. If you learn in, in high school, right before you, you turn 18 and start getting bombarded by credit card offers and mm-hmm. student loan options, like all these student loans and different things like that. Like, oh yeah, you know, you want to get a new car, but should I finance a car? Like there's so many different things. Like, hey, what is credit? 
how can you utilize it to where it benefits you rather than just the banks? Different things of that manner, I feel like would be super essential and helpful for, uh, for, for high schoolers and even college age students too. And I also think that, you know, if a high schooler is learning it, I feel like <laughs> if they were kind of like me and my family, it's like, if I see my mom doing something like, uh, actually, according to my teacher, um, you're not supposed to do that. Like, you know, they're going to do that to their parents, which in turn, their parents will start getting educated too. Um, but the second thing that I, I really have a passion for too, um, and I was uh, putting in some work towards um, aiming that way uh, before, you know, the pandemic hit was um, creating and establishing a uh, angel investment group for minority owned businesses. Wow. Um, just because I, I, I keep hearing the stats of, you know, a lot of, you know, minority, minority, um, minority businesses and startups, like their business owners are unable to really get those loans or at least the amount of loans or they might have like higher interest rates interest or, rates, or yeah. something of that manner. And so it's like, okay, well, how can we best benefit our community? Especially if, if a business owner's vision and their mission is a very much aligned with my, my own, then like, hey, I would like to be in a position where like, hey, I know you need to start up, here's 10 grand. I wanna, I'll become a partner. Like, I, you don't even have to pay me. Like, let's just see your, your vision up off the ground. If you're in a restaurant, best believe I'll be eating there. And you know, <laughs> if I can get you know, a hook up on the food, I'm great. But if, if it's not, then I mean, that's all right. Like it's, it's just seeing people win, which is something that I, I found that I love more than me just winning it myself. I don't know. It's, it, I think that was something that the pandemic has taught me. It's like, I see a lot of friends who are starting like different businesses who, um, and it's crazy because I will see someone get laid off, but their business ain't the income from their small business is what, is keeping them sustained. Yeah. And so I love seeing friends win. Um, and so if I can like, so creating like a, a minority owned, a minority uh, based angel investment group, so we can truly create some kind of an impact. Um, I feel like those are, those are like what I'm called to do, you know? And so, wow, yeah, man. That's, that's what our future looks like. <laughs> man. And, and you know, um, I think I can sum up your your goals and what's your future with one word, and that's just being a servant. And I think that's uh, th that is beautiful, man. I'm not a religious man, but I am a man of faith, you know. And I, I truly believe by serving people and serving others um, is is what we were put in this world to do. It, it's just beautiful to hear everything that you're you're stating. It, it's definitely a breath of fresh air especially from you know looking at social media and, and what we're currently seeing today it, it's awesome to have a positive conversation with someone to have some really great positive dialogue on how because you're man you're influencing me i'm taking notes um i, I want to leave with one question man i want to take too much of your time so one last thing that i have for you is this so when you do decide to have kids and your kids uh are of age uh, what advice would you give to them in regards to race? And what advice would you give to them in regards to finances? Yeah, I think in regards to race, I would tell them to, I would advise them to don't allow anyone to define who they are. Um, don't let anyone put a stigma on them. Don't let anyone put a limit on them. Um, any kind of restriction. Don't let them put you in a box. Like be who you were created to be, be who you are. Um, 
for me, that's that's one of those things where, especially if um, with our kids being are going to be biracial, um, it's like you know people are like, oh well, you're black. It's like, oh well, you're Mexican. It's like, well, no, you're you. You know, that's who you are, and so you define your own future. You define who you are, and um, and like you had mentioned, like I'm a, I'm definitely a man of faith, and and so um, I hope to instill that into them of like, you know, uh, you are just as Christ made you. And so um, I, that's probably my biggest thing when it comes to just advising, when it comes to, to race itself is, you know, just be who you, who you were made to be. Like, don't, don't, don't go with the crowd too, because <laughs> that will get you in trouble. Like, don't go with the crowd, set your own pace. You were meant to stand out and you're meant to do something great. There's greatness within you. So let's, like figure out how what, what it needs to be and let's do it and then now as far as like financially i would uh definitely get to get the advice and, and I, I hope that i would be the the best example possible for my for our future children um is really you know one have have take only take advice from people who are credible because i think that um a lot of different you know, people will take advice off of social media and do a lot of different things. Um, maybe even like talk to like different financial planners and financial advisors. And there's there's nothing wrong with with doing things like that. But um, always, and this this is even like in regards to like picking out the career that you want. It's like always see if the person has what you want. If there's fruit on the tree. If there is if they're like preaching one thing but the fruit is completely different then you might need to reevaluate, you know, that advice that, that's being given. Um, don't be afraid to, to, to fail. And I think that's, that was the thing that really um, held me back growing up was that I was that, you know, straight A student. I was very much, I didn't want to fail at anything. Um, however, and that's something else I had to learn from the frat was like, Hey bro, you're gonna, you're gonna fail at something. You can't be perfect at everything. But, um, that's one thing I want them to know that, you know, regardless if they fail or not, you know, there's always going to be either win or you learn and there's always, you know, you're able to pick yourself up and your dad and your mom have your back. And so for me, that goes into, you know, whatever they want to do career wise, whatever, like they think of when it comes to finances as well. Um, it's just to, you know, go out and try it, try it out. And if you fail, then you fail, but dust yourself off and keep trying or try something else or, you know, make the most out of it and be smart about it too. Well, Josh, um, it's, it's definitely awesome to have this conversation with you, man. I, I think there's a lot of people who are, who are going to listen in, can learn a lot. Um, not just with your experiences, um, but, um, you know, what you've learned over time through COVID and even prior through your sophomore year in college about, you know, eliminating debt, um, there's a lot of good stuff and a lot of good influence um, that you have to share with the world. So I'm glad that you and I were able to sit down, um, take a little moment and uh, kind of have some really great dialogue here. Um, so, Josh, I do want to ask you this uh, question. So if people wanted to get in contact with you um, just to ask for advice, maybe financially or anything in that nature, wanting to know more about race, is there any way that they can uh, reach out to you, either social media or do you have an email um, how would people reach out to you? Yeah, so they can definitely find me on Facebook, Joshua Jet Jackson, uh, Instagram, it's Joshua Jet, 
Um, and my email, I, I really don't mind giving out my email too. Um, it's jjackson.ent, that's E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, at gmail.com. Well, I, I'm telling you for, for the listeners out there, please, if, if you have any questions, again, again, in regards to, you know, either race uh, or if you want to share experiences or financially, uh, you know, J- Josh is the person to go to. Um, I, I definitely trust him. Um, Josh, I'm glad, again, we were able to have this conversation. I know uh, it's, it's been a, it's a long time overdue for sure. Um, but you know what? I think I truly believe, man, that things happen for a reason. And I'm glad that we were able to have the conversation that we had today. So um, with that being said, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Josh, thank you for your time, my friend. Like what you heard? Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to Bendito's Exclusive. If you have any thoughts or comments you would like to share, I am available on all social media platforms and available anywhere you currently listen to your podcast today. Godspeed, my friends.